Amen. Good morning, Mac. Happy Easter. We have a, a quick video and then Joe Trotty. Oh, Joe Trotty first and then a quick video. Joe Trotty first. Okay. <laughs> Good morning. He is risen. Amen. Amen. What a great day to celebrate. What a beautiful day he's given us for Easter. Uh, it could have been bad. It could have been raining. It could have been 30 degrees, snow. But we've been blessed. See, I told you we hung around long enough we'd get one of those 60, 70, 80 degree days. You didn't believe me. I know you didn't. Um, this year's Missions Conference kicks off this Wednesday evening. Uh, Jeter Livingston will be giving a sp- uh, special sharing on that, and that evening. And uh, we'll have special activities for the kids. And the Missions Conference is going to be all the way through Sunday. And we have a great agenda planned. On Friday evening, there's going to be a meal, special meal. Uh, there's going to be African cuisine, um, Ivory Coast cuisine. And um, for those who attend, please bring something as a side dish or a salad. That's uh, in your bulletin also. And if you're coming for Friday evening, remember we have the survivor plan going on here, uh, and sign up so we know how many people are coming, first of all, so we know how much food to make, and so you can be on one of those teams to be one of the survivors. Did you hear that? Everybody's supposed to sign up on the Godfrey's team? I'm not sure if that's... Okay. That was an ad lib, wasn't it? Okay. Um, Saturday the 2nd, we are going to have... By the way, that is not an April Fool's thing for Friday night. You need to be here for that. That'll be a great... A great time. Um, On Saturday the 2nd, 7.30 in the morning, we have a men's breakfast. All the men are welcome to come for that. We're going to have a great time. Uh, Pastor makes the most awesome pancakes. We're not sure which variety we'll have. uh, Blue, you know, could be blueberry, could be whatever. But uh, that'll be a great time. And there'll be fellowship. Uh, Maybe we can get Jeter's going to be speaking at the men's breakfast also. Uh, And then uh, in the afternoon, for the ladies, at 1 o'clock, we have a tea. And there's going to be some other African treats that are going to be there so it'll be a, a kind of a fun day for the men and the women in the church and then uh, finally Sunday school class for junior and senior high is going to be off today, it's going to be cancelled today so stay in the service with your parents and we'll have a great service um, we're ready for the video you will be witness to a quest four days Five tribes, one mission, to outgive, outgo, and outpray. Meet Phil Glaze. Phil joined the ancient Nawili tribe, a tribe whose unusual name has special significance. When I crossed paths with this tribe, I I knew I was home. I just felt like I fit in right away. And I liked the name. A group that seemed to just be braided together. A place where I could really grow and flourish. I really wouldn't be surprised if the other tribes didn't even show up. But I have just one goal for the conference. To win. Days, five tribes, one mission. Do you have what it takes? Sign up in the back before the games begin. 
Just a couple of clarifications and further announcements. Please make sure that you sign up for one of the tribes today. You may want to be part of the Phil Glaze tribe, if that was appealing to you. Or if you're hairy, I guess, I don't know. Um, But please make sure that you sign up. We have a series of challenges. If you've ever watched the Survivor series, we have a series of challenges that evening. Some of them are going to be intellectual challenges. Some of them are going to be physical challenges. We have special challenges for kids of all ages. So definitely make sure that the whole family is here. Sign up. And one special challenge that we need some people ahead of time for is a cooking challenge. That evening, if you are interested in bringing an authentic African dish of some kind, we want one from every tribe, and we'll present those to our missionaries, and uh, one of those will be chosen as the cooking challenge winner. So one person from every tribe, if we can have somebody who's willing to take on the cooking challenge, that'll be a fun evening. This is always a highlight of the year. Missions conference is something that we look forward to every year. but And it's, it's lots of fun. But a part of why we are here is to encourage our missionaries as well. They honestly will attend missions conferences where they are featured speakers and no one from the church will show up besides the pastor. So it is a great opportunity for us to give back to them and to encourage them that we want to hear what they have to say. We want to know what God is doing in them and through them all around the world. So be here Wednesday night to meet uh, Jeter and Laura. And then Friday evening, the banquet is going to be a highlight. Um, There are so many great opportunities for us to encourage them over this time. But start signing up today. Thank you. If y'all please stand, we're going to spend some time worshiping our Lord and Savior this morning. Um, God, we just come before you this morning. We want to praise your name. Uh, We thank you for fulfilling your promise today of um, coming back from the grave, God. Uh, And through that, giving us our forgiveness and our mercy and your mercy, God. Uh, We praise your name, God, this morning. You are so worthy of every, every moment of this morning, God. And we just want to lift you up this morning. First Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. There's a reason why the curse of sin is broken. There's a reason why the darkness runs from light. There's a reason why we stand here now forgiven. Jesus is alive. There's a reason why we are not over. There's a reason why we sing all through the night There's a reason why our hope remains eternal Jesus is 
exalted, the King is exalted on high. I will praise Him, He is exalted, forever exalted, and I will praise His name.
cross justified And your spirit restored by the river that flows From our blessed Savior's side And the wonderful, tragic, mysterious dream That beautiful, scandalous night you and me Were atoned by His blood Just now. 
Amen. Y'all can have a seat. He is risen. Amen, amen. And we, you know, Easter always amazes me. I've done a lot of funerals in 28 years. And it always strikes me when, when I do a funeral and, and the body is, is laid out and people come and, and that Jesus is a God of life and that He conquered death. And that somewhere always in the back of my mind, I think, is this person? Could this person? Could Jesus raise this person from the dead? What a funeral that would be. To be preaching and all of a sudden, the person sits up. That God has, has resurrected them. That, that, you know, as you read through scriptures, that Jesus never went to a funeral but what he didn't raise the dead person to life. Anytime he showed up, and even one there was a there was a time he wasn't even at the funeral, but the funeral procession was coming by, and and he saw the the pain and the anguish on the mother, and who had, who had just lost a son, and he had compassion on her, and he went up and and raised the son to life. Jesus in his ministry said, "I am." The way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the only one that has the right to make that claim. The only one that says, I am the way. There is no other way. That I am the truth. There is no other truth but what Jesus is. And I am the life and there is no other life giver. But Christ. Now he said that during his ministry and he proved it by going through the, the, the trial, by going through the, the death on the cross, by laying in the grave, and by rising again. And we celebrate that, that resurrection this morning. There's a new song on the radio, I don't know, maybe it's not totally new, but the, the song that, it's really not a praise and worship song, but it's fun to sing along with. And while I'm in the car, I have a tendency to crank this one up a little bit and, and kind of cut loose. And for those of you who know me, you don't want to be in the car when that happens. It's not pretty, but it is fun. And it's a song by Big Daddy Weave. Now, just the name of that band alone is fun. I mean, who comes up with Big Daddy Weave? And he is a big daddy. If you've ever seen him, the, the guy is huge. But the song is called My Story. Have you, have you heard it? Here's, here's some of the lyrics. If I told you my story, you would hear hope that wouldn't let go. And if I told you my story, you would hear love that never gave up. And if I told you my story, you would hear life, but it wasn't mine. If I should speak then, to let it be, of the grace that is greater than all my sin, of when justice was served and where mercy wins, of all the kindness of Jesus that draws me in, oh, to tell you my story is to tell you of Him. 
We all have a story. We all have a life story of what has gotten us from, from birth to wherever we are right now. And that those that have come in contact with the way, the truth, and the life, with those that have placed faith to tell of my story, I can't speak of my story without telling you his story. Because his story has greatly changed, has transformed my story. Has taken me from, from a lost and placed me on the way. Because he is the way. His story has taken me from, from a life or from living that was heading towards death, that was believing falsehood, that was believing lies, and placed me on the way of truth, placed me on the way of life. Because Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. We've been looking at at different people. I often wonder what it would have been like to live in, in Bible times, in biblical times, to have to have walked those those roads, to have followed, to to have had this this preacher come through, this Jesus who you had maybe probably heard about, who was doing some crazy things, raising people from the dead, healing diseases, the lame were walking, the blind were seeing, the deaf were hearing. And to have him walk through your town and what would my reaction have been? To have seen him, to have heard him. We've been looking at different individuals who had that opportunity, who lived in those times, who, who did interact and, and come in contact with Jesus, and especially this last week of his life. We looked at Pilate. That Pilate's was a Pilate's was a story of, of Jesus and truth. You remember Pilate said, what is truth? And walked away and didn't even allow Jesus the way, the truth, and the life to answer. Barabbas was a story of Jesus in substitution. That Jesus took our place. That we are like Barabbas. Jesus took our place, paid our penalty for sin that we could not pay. That he gave his life for my life. A substitute sacrifice. Peter was a story of Jesus and forgiveness, how Peter had denied him and, and Jesus forgiven him. That, that, that bold statement of Peter that, no, Jesus, you, you will not die. And in fact, I would die. I'll go with you to the grave. And then just a few short hours later, denying that he even knew him. But then a few days later, Jesus reinstates him. Jesus forgives him. Last week we looked at Joseph, a man from Arimathea, and his was a story of Jesus and public transformation of how he changed, how he went from a secret believer to a very public believer. At a time when all of his followers were scattering, were running, were hiding, Joseph stood up and honored Christ through a, through a proper burial. In a little bit, I'm going to give you the opportunity as we wind things down this morning. I want to give you the opportunity to share a little bit of your story with the rest of us. Not everyone, just a few of you that would, would want to share. You know, this is what Jesus has done for me. This is what the way, the truth, and the life has done for me. Today we're going to look at the story of Mary Magdalene. Her story is really a story of Jesus' amazing love. That throughout Jesus' ministry, we see that women played a prominent role 
Even, even though many times they, they weren't named, they went unnamed, the, the, but the women were always there. Caring for him. Caring for the disciples. Supporting him. Some, it says that they even they gave of their own, uh, their own money. Their own, and, and women usually didn't have money. They didn't usually have jobs. And so what little they had, they were giving to support Jesus, to, to keep him and the disciples moving from town to town and going, and many of them were traveling with them. Luke probably mentions the women more than, than any other writer, and there are many named Mary. And so when he says Mary of Magdalene, or Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala, the city where she was from, he points out which Mary we're talking about. His first mention of Mary was, is in Luke chapter 8. So turn with me to there. If you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 8. And many believe that Mary Magdalene is actually the Mary, the woman in the, in the previous passage at the end of chapter 7. And so we're going to read there. While there's no direct proof that she is this woman that goes unnamed in the end of chapter 7, it, it, this woman represents not only Mary, but all of us. And we can see all of our life in this woman's story that will lead us into Mary Magdalene's story. So actually, let's go back to Luke chapter 7. Verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. Now this is actually before Jesus' triumphal entry and early in his ministry. One of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with the hair of her head, kissing them and anointing them with the fragrant oil. When the Pharisee who had invited him in saw this, he said to him, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. She's a sinner. Jesus replied to him, Now understand that the Pharisee had said this to himself. He didn't say it out loud. He just said it, thought it in his own mind that, boy, if, if Jesus knew what type of woman was touching him, what type of woman had just let her hair down and was now wiping his feet with her hair and, and touching his head, if, if, if he just knew who this woman was, Jesus heard those thoughts. And Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he said, say it. A creditor has two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. You have judged correctly, he told him. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little, loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. 
Those who were at the table with him began to say that among themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now we don't know the name of this woman. We don't know who it is, but it represents really all of us. Because the first thing that Mary's story tells us about Jesus is that Jesus is forgiving. That He forgives sins. That He doesn't hold them against us. That He doesn't doesn't talk about us. He doesn't even think bad thoughts like the Pharisee had thought about us. Like, man, that person's a real loser. That Harris, I can't believe what he's done. And he doesn't have those conversations. He doesn't have those thoughts in his mind that, that he is a God who forgives. That he is a Savior who forgives. Like this woman. We are all sinners. That could be said of all of us that she's a sinner. He's a sinner. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. That's a true statement about every one of us who has ever been born. When the Pharisee calls her a sinner, he means her life is devoted to sinful things. Now, we don't know what those sinful things were. But kind of with some of the things that he says, you you think it's probably sins of, 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 of immoral acts. And here's a woman that, that in those times women didn't let their hair down. And to let their hair down meant that they were interested in an immoral act. That, they, that, that was kind of the sign that they were a prostitute, that they didn't have their hair up, they had their hair down. And here's a woman who came in and, and anointed him with oil and then lets her hair down and begins to touch his feet and begins to, to really worship him. We all, like this woman, have sin in our life. Because we're born not good. We're, we're not born with, with any goodness in us. That at our very core, we are sinful. We are selfish. And if, if that is left to go unchecked, if our sin is allowed to just live free, it will show itself in immoral acts. It will show itself in, in, in where everyone will be able to look at us and say, that's a sinner, he's a sinner, she's a sinner. The truth is, we all are. Every two-year-old proves this out. You know, two-year-olds, terrible twos. You tell them no and they want yes. And what do you do when you tell them no? Usually the first thing they do is throw themselves on the floor and flop around and yell and scream. Because they want what they want, when they want it, how they want it, and they want it now. That's sin nature. There's there's no other description for that. They weren't taught to do that. Yelling, screaming, throwing a tantrum, demanding my way, selfishness. That's just natural instinct. And what we as parents try to do is we try to get them to learn to cover up that natural instinct. Don't throw the tantrum. Don't don't no, it's it's not about you. It's you know, and we and we, we try to teach them how to overcome sin, but there's only one way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
We can cover up sin. We can do really well at covering up sin. We can make ourselves look really good. But we can't hide the fact that at our very core, we are fallen. We are sinners in need of a Savior. We are in need of someone to pay that penalty because I can't pay the penalty. Why is this so important to know that Jesus is the, is the forgiver? The fact that Jesus forgives sin is that because we're all in need of that. Every one of us needs a Savior. While we are going to deliver some good news today, we've already sang about the good news that Jesus is alive. That, that he, is, he is the only one that has conquered death on His own. That was killed, placed in a grave, and on His own, stepped out. Well, we're going to deliver some great news today. The worst possible news is that you are a sinner and live outside of a relationship with God. That's the worst news you can hear. That without Christ, within our sin, we are destined to live eternity separated from God. That's really the definition of hell. Hell is a real place, but it's also a condition. A condition of separation from God. And the worst possible news is that without a Savior, that's where you're going. And we're destined to go there. Separated from God. That everyone has sin and that sin separates us from, from having a relationship with God. And that until sin is dealt with, we will remain separated. Things of God will not make sense. We'll be confused. We won't understand. We'll read scripture and say, that's not the way, that, that can happen. Until our eyes are open. Until by faith we believe. Until by faith we admit, I am a sinner. This, this poor woman, she admitted it. She knew it. Everyone knew it. And yet she sought out Jesus because she knew Jesus was an answer to that. She knew Jesus was someone different. That Jesus could love her. That Jesus would forgive her. Jesus came and dealt with sin. Dealt with sin on the cross. Paid the penalty. And, and the story of this woman is that... The, the story of this woman and the story of Mary is that Magdalene is that no one is out of reach of that forgiveness. Sometimes we think, well, I've sinned too. How can He forgive my sin? How can He forgive me? He doesn't know what I've done. Yes, He does. He knows what you've done and He knows what you're capable of doing. And yet even in that knowledge, He loves us. Even in that knowledge, He goes to the cross for us. Even in that knowledge, he, he wants to reach down and, and to forgive us. That he, he wants us to understand that you are not out of reach. No one is too sinful to be forgiven. That this woman's sin was well known around town. And yet Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Because of her act of faith. Now in chapter 8, we pick up and we actually get the names of some women. And here's where we first hear of, of Mary Magdalene. That maybe it was this woman that anointed him, maybe it wasn't. But Mary was no different than this woman. Mary too was a sinner, just like you and I. 
And we read, in fact, in in chapter 8 that it, it may have even been a little more dramatic than this woman, Mary's life. We see that in verse in chapter 8, verse 1, soon afterwards, so soon after this took place, this, this lunch at the Pharisees, this inviting and being anointed by this woman, soon afterwards he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. Now this is Jesus. He's going from town to town, telling people of the good news. And the good news is he's the way, the truth, and the life. The good news is you don't have to remain in your sin. The good news is that we have a Savior. And He is it. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, called Magdalene, seven demons had come out of her. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, Susanna, and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. So here's Mary with this group of women that are traveling from city to city, supporting Jesus, caring for the disciples, making sure that their needs are met as they are preaching and and doing incredible things, miracles around. And we read that here Mary Magdalene, just kind of mentioned in there, seven demons cast out of her. That's dramatic. That's a change. That that Mary was not just sinful. She was possessed by seven different evil spirits or demons. Now when it says that they were cast out, meaning that they were in her, they were living in her, they were residing in her, means that they controlled her. So that at any one time, one of those seven demons was controlling her actions. You think people didn't know her? You didn't think people didn't cross the street to walk down the other side when they saw Mary Magdalene coming? Because quite frankly, with Mary Magdalene, you didn't know what you were going to get. You didn't know which demon was going to be in charge at that point. But we know at some point... When Jesus was going from town to town with his disciples and this other group of women, that they didn't cross the street when Mary was coming. That Jesus met her head on. Jesus met her head on, and I can't help but think because of other scriptures and other stories that we read when the demons came head to head with Jesus, they they were terrified. Because they knew the power that Jesus had over them. And it says here simply that that there were seven evil spirits cast out of her. Seven demons had, had come out of her. Jesus has power over the enemy. We read many times where Jesus cast out demons. And here's Mary living a horrible existence. We wouldn't even call it life. That night and day, darkness overtook her in many different forms. Hopeless. I can't imagine that she didn't contemplate suicide at some point in her life. And for whatever reasons, the demons didn't allow her to do that. One, they'd be out of a host. They would have to find another person to overtake, to overcome. And so she just goes day and night in this darkness, in this pit, in this despair, until she meets Jesus. 
And I know from, from other, other stories, other times where he met demons, it was just a simple word and, and out they went. Because they had to obey him. He was the way, the truth, and the life, and they knew it. And with a word, her mental anguish was gone. With a word, her physical pain was gone. Her, her emotional instability was, was made straight again. And she learned that Jesus not only forgives, He heals. He transforms not only spiritually, but He can transform physically, He can transform emotionally, He can transform mentally. That her demons were, were removed and she became a, a devout follower and supporter of Him. From that moment on, she began following. Because this was a man that gave her life. This was a man that transformed her life. That made her life count. That made it matter. That He had healed her. She was, she was one of that group of women that, that traveled around. Now why is the fact that Jesus heals important to us? Because the fact that Jesus healed Mary, Jesus wants to heal us. That Jesus has come to do so much more than just forgive, as if that wasn't enough. That not only to forgive sins so that we can spend an eternity in heaven but with Him, but to heal us now. That He doesn't just forgive and, and leave us to struggle in the sin. He doesn't, just, he doesn't just say, yes, I forgive you and, and good luck with the rest of your life and I'll see you when you die. No, that when Jesus forgives, Jesus comes in and transforms a life. And when those demons move out, the Holy Spirit moves in. And He heals, He transforms, He changes us. He changes the way we think. He changes the way we feel. He brings joy amidst the anguish. He, he replaces that sorrow with, with joy and hope. With meaning and purpose. Because He is a life giver. He's a healer. That when, when by faith we see Jesus as our Savior... He's the forgiver of our sin, but He is so much more that we can trust Him as our healer of life from this point on. And now that part of Mary's story brings us to where we are this morning. As an eyewitness to what happened that first Easter morning, an eyewitness to, to the, the trial, an eyewitness to the, the, burial, the death, the burial... And now Mary gets to be eyewitness to the resurrection, the, the, the one single most greatest event ever in, in human history. Never been repeated, never done before, will never be done again. And she watched it. She saw it. The best we can do is, is, is read about it and imagine in our, in our minds. But Mary had memories. Because Mary's story is Jesus' story. Turn with me to John chapter 20.
Mary had been with Jesus, we said. As he tra- she traveled around with him and the, other, and the other disciples. She was no doubt there on that triumphal entry on Palm Sunday when they were laying down branches and coats and, and cheering and singing and praising as Jesus came in. She was with him at that point. She was no doubt close by or at least uh, aware of what happened in the garden when he was arrested. She would have been one of the crowd that watched the trial. Standing back wondering what was going to happen. Scripture tells us that she was there when they nailed him to the cross. That she was at the foot of the cross with with Jesus' mother Mary. And some of the other women were there watching him die. We learned last week that Mary was there when Joseph of Arimathea asked for the body and and buried him. That, That Mary went to the tomb to see where he was. Because her plan was once the Passover was, once the Sabbath was, had ended, that she would go back to the tomb and, and anoint the body with spices, which was customary. And while the body was decaying, the, the loved ones would bring spices and lay over to, to help with the smell and other things. To honor the one that was lost. To honor the one that had died. Jesus had died. Mary had witnessed it. And Mary longed to see Jesus again, like any of us would when we lose a loved one. When we lose a father or a mother or a, a sibling or, or a, uh, uh, just a dear friend. You know, you find yourself sitting and wondering, ah, I wonder what they would be doing now. I wonder what we would be... You know, you, you go into... Uh, Christmas time at our house was my mom's all-time favorite holiday. And so you, my mom always comes to mind when, when we do Christmas. Because it was the greatest time of year for her. And you can't help but think of them. You can't help but want them to just have another conversation with them. To just ask that one question you never was able to ask before they were gone. That was Mary on that Sunday morning, two days after Jesus was crucified and laid in the tomb. And she finds her way to the tomb and we pick up in John chapter 20. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. Now this was not normal. So she ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, they they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. I chuckle every time I read that line. It has no point in the story other than for John to tell you that he's a faster runner than Peter. That's the only, that's the only point that serves. That John beat Peter in a foot race to the tomb. Then, following him, Simon Peter came also. He entered the tomb and saw the linen clothes lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloth, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. Now, if someone were going to steal the body, they would not have taken the time to wrap the linens or to to fold the linens nicely and place them in the tomb. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first then entered the... He's got to say it again. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first then entered the tomb, saw and believed. For they still did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went home again. But Mary stood outside facing the tomb, crying. As she was crying, she stooped 
to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet where Jesus' body had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, though she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you've removed him, tell me where you've put him, and I will take him away. Jesus said, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am descending, uh, ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. She had gone, gone to the tomb expecting to find the body of Jesus wrapped the way in which she saw him placed in there. And what she found was disillusionment. She found an empty tomb. The body wasn't there. The one whom she loved, who she came to honor, came to anoint again, came to, to cover in spices, was gone. And there was confusion as to what happened because of, because of his love for her. Because of Jesus loving Mary, the one who seven demons were cast out of, the one who lived a life of darkness, of depression, of, of, of barely existing, whom Jesus had transformed and Jesus had, had loved her, now says, you know what, I have forgiven her. I, I, I have healed you. Allow me to reveal myself to you. The God is a God. Jesus is a God who reveals himself. He's not hidden. He wasn't hiding in the tombs. I always find it interesting that the, the stone was rolled away. And they always say that the stone was rolled away not so that Jesus could come out. He was already gone. The stone was rolled away so that Peter and, and, and John and, and Mary could peek in and believe. And that's exactly what they did. They peeked in and they believed. Jesus has risen from the dead. He is still alive. And He is still alive to this day. Forgiving. Healing. Wanting to reveal Himself to each one of us. Wanting to be known by us. Wanting to have a relationship with us. He says, that's the whole reason I went to the cross in the first place was that your sin could be forgiven. That your life could be healed. And that you and I could have a relationship. The first person he appears to is the woman who once had seven demons controlling her life. It wasn't a king. It wasn't Joseph of Arimathea who, who gave him the tomb who was a prominent figure in the, in the, in the land who could, who could have gone and had all of the power and all of the prestige and been able to tell all of the people what he had seen. No, he reveals himself to a woman who was demon-possessed, whom he had transformed, who he had changed. And this is important for us to know because Jesus longs for us to know him. He longs to reveal himself to us. 
It is the, it is the eye of faith that allows us to look in and say the tomb is empty. To, to look in and say He is arisen. The faith allows us to see the truth that, that can't be seen any other way. That's why Pilate missed it. He refused to believe. He refused to believe all the things he had heard about Jesus, the things that he had, had seen Jesus do. And with that, that unbelief in front of him, he missed the truth. Faith allows us to see him. Faith is what gave Joseph of Arimathea the courage to go public with his belief, to not be a secret, uh, a secret believer anymore, to not hide it for fear of what others would think, but to, to, to let it out, to let people know this is Jesus, this is my Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. None of their stories is really all that different from yours and mine. What's your story this morning? What is your story? Your interaction, your coming to face to face with Jesus. Verse 18 says, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. What would you say to someone this morning? I'm going to give you that opportunity so you be thinking. I just want three or four of you to, 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 to willing to stand and say, you know what, if I was married, this is what I've seen. This is what I've seen in my life. This is, what he, this is how He's forgiven me. This is how He's healed me. This is how He's revealed Himself to me. What would you say to someone? How have you seen Jesus? This Easter morning when the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive, what's your story? Father, this morning, we thank you that the tomb is empty, that it remains empty, that it will never be filled, that Jesus is alive today, alive to forgive us, alive to, to heal us, alive to, to, to reveal himself. Father, I pray that, that that revelation would be made known. Father, reveal yourself this morning. That we might fall at your feet and worship you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Three or four of you, who will share? Alright. First you got to tell everyone who you are. Those of you, whoa, hey. <laughs> Those of you who don't know me, I'm John. Uh, Jonathan Bailey. I'm an EMT. This is what I do for work. Uh, recently, I found a hook in the back of my truck. A gold hook. Just a big fishing hook. You know, I've always conducted myself at work as a loving, compassionate man. I love all my patients. I deal with such chronic illnesses such as uh, cancer, Parkinson's disease. Uh, my boss knows to send me on those runs. I take them to and from dialysis, you know, sometimes three days a week. Um, these are sick people. And God, I love them. Just recently, I had a gentleman that was 90 years old. He'd been in Vietnam. 
a strong, strong-willed man, very weak. He asked me what that hook was on my hat. I intentionally put that hook on my hat because I knew that that was an opening. If those of you that are in the medical field, you know that we cannot preach to these patients. You can't push your beliefs on them. But I knew that if I, if I did something like that, that's an opportunity. You know, what's that hook? Do you like to fish? No, sir. I do not like to fish. I used to fish with my grandpa. It hurts my soul to go fish because he loved it so much and I loved him so much. Woo! I'm trying to keep it together. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the river's flowing. God bless. Uh, I'm trying to put a good, strong foundation on my, and my boys. Trying to teach them right from wrong and be God-fearing men. But this old man, he, what's that hook for? I said, told him, I said, sir, I'm a fisher, but I'm a fisher of men. This gentleman ended up, he spent time in Vietnam. He came back. He was, he was a medic. Um, he, he came back and he, he uh, found the Lord. And we ended up having some church in the Bambalance. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I, I know. I call it the ambulance. It's not an ambulance. It's a ambulance. Get it right. <laughs> but we started having church in the back of this ambulance, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm there for, man. I love my people. It it don't matter. I mean, I'm gonna pick you up and I'm gonna drop you off, and you're gonna have a heartbeat. But if we can, you know, we can talk about the Lord. But you got to ask me about my hood. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Someone else? All the way in the back. <laughs> On October 2nd, 11 years ago, I watched a miracle happen. I had my first daughter. It was an amazing gift from God. Two nights later, I watched my wife, code blue, go dead on a, a bed laying right next to me. The greatest miracle followed by one of the most devastating things that any one person can imagine. I seen my wife deteriorate into nothing. The next thing I know, my wife is whisked away, me not knowing anything that was going on. Nurses came up to me, finally directed me to where she was at. And through prayer and just an amazing miracle of God, they, they give me my wife back. One of the most amazing things during this time is about all the love from fellow Christians that I've got from everywhere. Not just here. My mom lives two hours away. 
a lady went to her and said, we just had a prayer chain for a, a girl in Muncie, Indiana. And she looks at her and she goes, well, that was my daughter. Two hours away, they didn't know her. Two, they didn't know me. They didn't know my mom. Then the connection. But it's the miracle that Christ gives us every day that we don't see that we should be thankful for. Yep, one more. I don't have to go very far. <laughs> I don't think this has happened so. Uh, about a week ago, I found a eulogy that I wrote to my mother about my mother, and she passed away in 2000. And uh, we've, my dad's in a um, assisted living now, he's 89. And um, we're going through our family pictures, family business, over a hundred years of pictures. And one of the pictures that I came across yesterday that Pam showed me was uh, at the bike shop in 99. I'd uh, put a scripture, which I don't think was happening. So it was John 14, 6 that said, Jesus is life. And uh, standing out in front with my mother and uh, I'll read the little eulogy that I gave her. It says, Good things come in small packages. To look at mom on the outside, she wasn't very big. But on the inside, where God looks, was Jesus. Where everything she did and said was to honor him. She trusted and obeyed God with her whole heart. They called Jesus teacher. Mom was a teacher. And she taught us well with the love of Jesus in her heart. Her children will rise up and call her blessed. Proverbs thirty-one twenty-eight. We said to each other often, I love you, God bless you. Jesus loves you and I do too. The lowest point in my life in July of 1992, Mom was <clears throat> instrumental in praying for me and asking others to pray for me. God radically changed me. To talk about Jesus, you have to become weak so that his strength can work in you and through you. Mom's life verse and Grandma Kirschman's life verse, my grandmother, was Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now it's my life verse. God did it and is doing a profound work of His grace in my heart. This is in loving memory of Jean F. Kirk, July 24th, 1929 to January 9, 2000. Amen. Three, and now as we look at Jake and Lacey, four generations of transformed lives. Uh, by Christ. One more. Anyone else? Meet me partway. Um, hi, I'm Heather. I'm still pretty new to church. Um, I've had a lot of things uh, just this year happen that God is so good to my family. Um, 
My stepdad had a heart attack on a Thursday, and um, Monday, we this was a while back, but the nurses told us he should have died. And he has recovered so well. Like, there's nothing wrong. Like, you would have never guessed. Um, another one is this last week. I have been battling insurance. Um, my son had weight issues. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> In and out of doctor's offices. Um, just a lot for a little guy. And we got rejected again. I prayed so hard all week. Like, God, please just help my son get better. Like, please just just do this first. Like, please, 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 please. And that evening, the doctor called me. He did it for free for my child because our insurance wouldn't accept it. And he's gaining weight. He's getting back on track. And it's, I don't know, it's just God has done so many amazing things. And I think for between him and my stepdad, like, it's been a sign that he is listening to me and he does hear me and he does like he's there it's really real like he really is there and so it was just a really emotional overwhelming feeling of just I don't know peace of like you know praise God like I'm so thankful for you like thank you so much so that's that's my story Incredible, incredible stories that Jesus is still alive. I mean, he's transforming Jonathan and, and Jim and, and Brian and, and Heather, and, and he can still transform us. And he still wants to work in us. And we have a God to celebrate. We have a reason to celebrate and to find joy. And we just want to conclude this morning with another kind of worship set and, and just come before Jesus and worship him. Amen? It's all you.
first song uh, that we sang this morning uh, as our opening song uh, just for the proclamation at the end that we are truly free
Jesus has conquered death. He has, has overcome the grave. And He gives us new life. I want you to, today to continue to take this spirit of worship with you. And continue to worship Him on this Resurrection Sunday. If you're here this morning and you are, feel you just need someone to pray with you, um, our prayer team would love to join you over here and on this side up front and uh, pray with you and, and uh, lift you before the Lord. And But you go today. Have a blessed, blessed Resurrection Sunday. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.